Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Sean Hackett. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good, Mr. Casey. Having a really, really good morning and I'm getting ready for another fun day with the markets. Yeah, it's been a fun, fun three days so far in the markets. We've had all kinds of crazy stuff happen. So uh, first off, let's start off with uh, with Brexit. Okay, so I watched uh, or watched, but well, listened to anyway. Bloomberg uh, on and my truck today driving over out here to call, down here to Colorado, and that that is a mess, man. That's supposed to be here at the end of the month. It's supposed to get that kind of all hemmed up and locked up. And I, I listened to for about an hour or so, just different coverages about what was going on, and they're really at no different starting point than they were when when they decided to have break away from the EU. So that's kind of got. The dollar in a mess. It's got world markets are kind of in a in a mess. The European market overall is kind of has a huge effect on that. Um, we kind of talked about the the European stock market a little bit, what you see happening there, and how that's affecting what we see here in the U.S. Well, because of all this uncertainty, like you said, I mean they're basically at square one. May tried to negotiate this deal. Uh, Parliament said no. Um, and, and, and so now it's, no one knows that it's going to be a hard break, a delay. Uh, in the end, what it all means is that capital, um, is, is, is kind of becoming schizophrenic because Britain is such a, an important money center. And so when the, when, when, the, when everyone's worried about what's going on with Britain and its impact to the EU and the Euro currency, um, you know, people just withdraw. So they withdraw from the stock markets. They withdraw from, um, you know, from engaging until they can see you know, what, what's the pathway forward because um, we've just never been down this road before. And so it's causing the dollar to strengthen as a result. When you worry, you run to the safest place you know, which has always been the U.S. dollar. Um, and, and, of course, a strong U.S. dollar is, tends not to be good for ag markets in the U.S., and at a time when we're worried about the planting intentions report, ongoing trade negotiations on Thursday and Friday, it just means taking some chips off the table and seeing how things play out the next few days. So, because all this is the next three days, we're going to get all of this. And so, you know, hey, you know that, that's just human nature. Let's just take chips off. Let's sell a little bit and let's wait and see how it all plays out. We can always go buy it back in later on Friday or on Monday when we get a sense for what is, what's going to happen here. So that's kind of where we're at. And, and it's... Um, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a horrible mess because they've just absolutely have not come up with any way to really deal with. Okay, so <clears throat> we want basically kind of what I've gathered from it is they want to break away from the European Union, and but they want to leave everything the same, right? They want to build, do the same trade, do everything they want to do, and control their borders, but completely just leave it the way it was. But we want to be able to be our own little isolated island out here. It's a uh, and it's just not, it is not working. No one can get anything figured out. And it's just not. Well, the EU, not, yeah, the, the EU is saying, uh, no, we're not going to let you do that. We, you know, 
you're going to break away. You know, you got to pay, you're going to, it's going to cost you a little bit and here's what we want, you know? And so, yeah. Um, and then there was this referendum. Right. Six million people said we, we don't want to break. I mean, I, you know, uh, <laughs> hard to believe, but our politics looks great. <laughs> I know, doesn't it? That's uh, crazy how it's just, like, it makes us look like, like, here because that I don't know what I would be thinking if I lived there right now. It's crazy stuff. People yelling and screaming. May's going to leave in the, uh, this afternoon. She's just going to leave and quit. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> crazy. It's a mess over there. So, so. And unfortunately, you know, it is impacting currencies and that's not good for, you know, ag markets, at least over the short term. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about uh, another mess we have on our hands is the, the flooding that we see happening in Eastern Iowa or Western Iowa, Eastern Nebraska, all along the Missouri river Valley. Um, still a lot of snow yet to melt. So there's still going to be, you know, some continued flooding that we're going to see for a while. Um, the, like you said, the crop planted uh, acres reports coming out, um, intended acre reports coming out on Friday. And um, of course that was, given before anybody saw any floodwaters coming out. So it kind of makes you wonder what actually is going to, how legitimate that, that report's actually going to be and what effect that's going to have on the market. So here, that is Friday. Um, what, what, what's your kind of take on that and how do you see that working out here through the end of the week? Well, I mean, I, th I think, I mean, I think everyone is expecting that we would have, you know, quite a bit more corn acres and less soybean acres. And, you know, right. I, I think that the numbers are going to be sort of what the market's expecting um, I don't think there's going to be a surprise in, in those numbers. Um, the surprise will be, you know, what actually gets done. Um, uh, and, and of course that's an ongoing, um, we have this, we've been noticing something and I thought we'd kind of bring it up that the algorithms, which are trading our markets in greater and greater quantities seem to not react to fundamental events, especially weather as quickly as humans used to. So, for example, like in the hog market, we had clear evidence back in January that 20% of the hog herd was destroyed and it was a disaster and the market did nothing, actually went down for a month. And then we came out with the same information again in February um, and, then the and then the algorithm uh, spit out by and then it was limit up, limit up, limit up. It was, it was just, it was just mushroom cloud higher. And, and we've been noticing this more and more that, uh, that you, there's a delay between when we see clear evidence that something should be moving and when the algorithms say equals buy. And so we think there is this delay going on right now with the planning, the flooding, the clear problems that's coming up that the market would normally be moving up right now if it was humans primarily driving the market. But now that these computers are driving it, the equal sign hasn't said buy yet, but all of a sudden we could see it happening a week from now more flooding in the news, and then it's all of a sudden massive rise in grain prices, and people wonder why did it take, you know, a whole month before it reacted. And so, the bad news is that's the bad news. The good news is it offers opportunity for humans to take advantage of that when the algorithms are not moving the market like they should. So we think that's where we're at. Delay reaction is something that is historical in nature and going to start to drive the markets higher. In the meantime. You know, we're dealing with a lot of this noise that the algorithms are trading until we get to that point when they finally, you know, put in their equation that all of this fundamental weather problem equals a buy for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's, uh, but yeah, I, and I've noticed that here. So if you look here of late, uh, last two weeks, pretty much last all of last week and this week, corn's been on a, on a rise. We, we peaked a little bit above four bucks there on uh, Friday. And uh, lost a little bit. Now we're down. I think it opened up today at like three ninety nine and some 
and some change. So um, we're kind of banging around that that four dollar mark. Um, I think a lot of yesterday, probably a little profit taking going on, stuff like that, end of the month, end of the quarter, all those things are happening. So I'm sure that had an effect on the overall market. But the, when you look out there right now, you feel like uh, you feel bullish about corn going in into the into the summer. We really do because we don't think the acres that are supposed to get planted that that we think we'll see in the Friday's report are going to get planted. Meaning, you know, the three or four million acres, extra acres that were supposed to get planted, we think are not. You know, we think we could easily see two or three million less. And even all the acres that do get planted, we would suspect that many of those acres, at least on the fringe, are going to get planted in less than ideal conditions, meaning the yields on those acres would likely be quite a bit down from what we've been expecting or what we've been seeing in the last few years. So when we look at that equation against three straight years of ending stock drawdowns, you know, we, we can very, very quickly, you know, come up with numbers you know, that are in the 1 billion to 1.3 billion bushel carryout uh, come that you know, come the next crop cycle, and when you run the stocks to usage numbers based upon that, I mean, we're we're, we're pressing nine percent or less, which is about as tight as you know as you're going to see in, in in corn uh, U.S. corn fundamentals. So that would say to us that you know there's going to be at some point an adjustment upward. Obviously, what happens with trade uh, in China, what happens with the currency, will say a lot about how high it should go, but it should be a meaningful move. And so we're friendly to the corn market into the early part of the summer based upon you know, those factors right now. So, yeah. All right. So earlier this, or yesterday, I got a you know, email alert from AgWeb that talked about uh, the Chinese were on a tear buying, buying hogs. And that's obviously a, a pretty clear indication that that's true because they've been limited up every day for the past three or four days anyway, and they've been going crazy. So um, with ho- with China's hog herd down about 20%, like estimates have talked about, um, that's more hogs than we produce in the U.S. So uh, that's a good thing for the U.S. pork producers. So talk about the hog market for a little bit and how you see it working out. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the hog producers last August were on a life uh, were on life support. You know, they were looking at just horrible margins, potential bankruptcies, and then this African swine fever came and is you know throwing them a lifeline, not just a lifeline, but I mean, a major, major lifeline. And now prices and cash prices and futures prices are getting to levels where they're going to be extremely um, profitable again. And so it's a really good, good thing for them. You know, what they make sure, what they have to make sure they, they, they need to, to bear in mind is they need to make sure they sell way out on the curve on this. You know, don't let these, I mean, these prices c- should persist for a while. I mean, it's not like African swine fever is going to go away tomorrow, but don't let, you know, look a gift horse in the mouth for too long. Make sure you get, you get yourself well sold well out onto the curve so that, you know, you can have not only you know one good year, but maybe several good years, of equity build because you know things will always eventually go back the other way but it is good news for um the hog guys and of course it's going to be good for the cattle guys because we simply cannot replace all that um lost hog supply with foreign imports there's not enough supply out there so there's going to be a lot of switching substitution demand for chicken and for beef and, and 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 cattle prices have also started to accelerate their rise as well and so the cattle guys are going to start to see better and better prices so so for for so when, when we look at the whole picture here the livestock producer is starting to get themselves into a get themselves out of the hole here on african swine fever at least in the u.s and obviously if those guys have more money and they start you know putting more animals out there in the u.s means more feed demand and, and ultimately that's not bad for the u.s grain producer in the longer term 
Uh, but but they're clearly getting their their they're getting their win first. Usually the grains go up first, and then the hog guys get their chance later. I mean the livestock guys get their chance later. This is a reverse. Hogs are making the money first, and the and the grain guys are going to make it a little later. But it's good for everybody in the long run to have this happen. So long as we can keep African swine fever out of the United States. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, no kidding there. Yeah, so there's there's a that is that's kind of the big concern out there. That's that kind of that 10,000 pound weight hanging over everybody's head when, it, you know, what happens when it gets here, if it gets here, how's that going to affect the market? And it's going to be just completely disastrous. It's going to be 1993 all over again. when you look at the hog market. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I was president Trump and, and I was, you know, those responsible for those, I mean, I would put every man, every dollar, everything I could into, into keeping those borders secure for that, because, you know, we have an opportunity, a tremendous opportunity to benefit ag, uh, agriculture but we, we cannot let this get in here or else, as you said, it's, it's just, it, it'll take a great situation and turn it into an a, even a worse situation. So, so I'm sure they're mindful of that, but um, you know, obviously it's a concern I and mean, we just we yep. hope that it doesn't happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we, uh, they punched their ticket again, head over to, to Beijing here in a couple of days. Uh, the 29th, they're supposed to have a meeting, uh, the U S and China to kind of continue this, this whole, uh, trade debate that we're having here sounds like every day they're getting closer than they were the day before but it's just we're at a stalemate again it feels like we were kind of not getting anywhere and we're just kind of back and forth in this quagmire of of uh of crap we've got going on here so the u.s uh stock market took a pretty big kick in the pants yesterday because of, i'm sure a lot of that uh, you know uneasiness when it what's going to happen with everything so Talk about some of the outside markets here a little bit, what you see happening there. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just getting tired of all of this. I mean, you know, and then, then there's another meeting scheduled. I mean, the Chinese are going to come back to the U.S. next week after these meetings. And just, you know, now, at first it was March and it was April. And now I, I read this morning, uh, it's going to be June. It's like after a while, it's just, you know, everyone is just tired. So anyone that purchased stocks or, you know, purchased, you know, markets based upon, um, this happening, you know, are, are, are just getting tired and are, and, and so you're getting some, some bouts of selling that's going on because people are just losing faith that this is ever going to happen. I'm not saying it's not, but I mean, we're just tired of kicking the can, kicking the can. And, and in some way, because this doesn't seem to be the pressure, like before we had the deadline, right. And we had that original deadline of now we're going to increase tariffs to the roof. We don't have any deadline. We have nothing that says why we need to solve it today. Everyone is sort of like, yeah, we're just sort of in this impasse. And it gives everyone a kind of a, a reason just to kick the can down because nobody, you know, really wants to, we don't want to give up anything and neither do they. And, and so unless you have a mechanism in place to put pressure on them or, or us, it, it, it seems like this might go on for much, much longer than we would like. And it, it's demoralizing for the marketplace. And so um, uh, it, it may take, Trump threatening a new deadline to get things going. I, I'm not really sure. Um, other than to say, I'm just tired of talking about it. And, and, and I'm kind of feel like that. I don't really feel it's, 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 it's not even driving like grain markets. It's almost like it's not even driving them anymore. They just don't even care anymore. It's just, everyone is sort of in that give up trade where they're just, they just not buying or selling anymore. They're like, just let me know when it's done. You know, I don't know. You know, obviously we're going to hear a lot of talk again from everybody and everyone's going to have a different opinion. And I'm sure it's, we're still going to sit here on Friday night going, uh, are we any closer? 
<laughs> yep, it's it is getting so old. I still feel that in the end, the spring weather is going to ultimately be the the prime driver here, and will take over center stage, and will be the mover here. It will move Trey down below where it is today. Um, and so I think that once we get through this planning intentions report and this month end and that sort of thing, you know, I, I do think mother weather always trumps everything else, no pun intended. Um, and, and I do believe that w- that will be the driver this spring. Um, trade's there and it could be a great help to us, but I think weather's going to be the driver once we get through the, the next few days. And, and I, would, I would focus on that over the spring as the driver no longer trade this or trade that. I think the market's given up trying to figure out when that's going to get done. Yep. 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 That is, uh, I'm getting tired of talking about it too. <clears throat> it's, it's the same news over and over again. Nothing's different. No. Everyone gets excited and then it, all the games get erased after they realize nothing happened. So it's just, Absolutely. Absolutely. Get, all right. The other, the other one other market I want to talk about before we get out of here is, is the dairy market and that dairy market has just been over the last year and a half has just been in a bad spot and uh it, there's no no relief inside it feels like um now i have read some of your work your your white papers that you put out your smart money reports you put out you had one out on um uh dairy a while back and you're bullish on that so talk about that a little bit and where you see that market headed well, we've had an oversupply of, of milk here for the last four years. And the primary reason is because fluid milk demand in the U.S. has been falling rapidly. Um, you know, alternatives, uh, you know, almond milk. I mean, everyone's drinking something else other than actual regular milk nowadays. And so all this fluid milk that used to go for human consumption is now available to produce cheese, butter, milk powder. And, and, and so it, it has changed the equation and, and, it, and it put the U.S. in a position where uh, they were overproducing. Um, and it's been painful, you know, two to three years we've been going through this. The good news is that the long period of low prices is finally reducing the herd size fairly dramatically. I mean, we saw record slaughters the last two months in history. Um, the herd is shrinking. We're not being, it's not being replaced by new replacements. Uh, production is now down to 0.2% growth. We normally grow about 2%. So the, the supply impact is starting to happen. And so it's really one thing that we're now down at a, at a level that with ongoing domestic demand and ongoing export demand, inventories of U.S. dairy products, especially cheese inventories, are going to start to fall later in the year. Our peak production is May, seasonally. It's the way the, the, the cows lactate. So we have to get through, you know, this April-May time frame. But once we do, given the very, very low growth rates of production, we do think that we're going to get our first material year-over-year declines in cheese inventories in three or four years, and that should start to make deferred price levels start to improve and actually get ourselves into a better place where margins can be had. And remember now, African swine fever is also quite bullish for dairy, and this is the reason. If cattle prices keep rising as they have, and it gets more and more profitable for dairymen to sell cattle to survive their herd, they will do that. And that means it'll accelerate the calling, it'll accelerate the slaughtering so they can raise money and, and further the reduction of milk production. So there's a, there's a real bullish story in milk and African swine fever later in the year based upon my, much higher cattle prices. But it's still going to take, we're still going to slog around here for another month or two while we reach peak production in the U.S. But there is a bright light at the end of the tunnel and some of the deferred prices actually have been doing a little bit better. So, so I do think... Um, 
we're almost over the pain and the gain is going to start to come for the dairy industry just a little bit later than for hogs and cattle. Okay. Well, plenty of stuff going on. A lot of things out there. Sean, if people want to talk to you about what they, what you see happen in the market, or just get some advice on what, what they should be doing, how to do it. Our website's the best place at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have sample reports, white paper reports, information about our services if, uh, to see if what we do may be of uh, value uh, to your listeners. All right, Sean. All right buddy. Well, uh, have a good day. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Mr. Casey. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.